Hello and welcome to the Heart of Markness quarantine bonus episode. Yet another one. I think it's like my fifth one, maybe, outside my my regular weekly Zeppelin podcasts, all to soothe you and reassure you that although these are difficult times, people are dying by the thousand, I'm here, everything's going to be okay. Put all your hope, faith, and trust into me. And then, once you are dependent, I will exploit you for money. It's very simple. Um, hello. <clears throat> well, we have another Mike Millard master tape that has been released by the Gems Tape Group. They're upping their schedule because they know that these are interesting times. And this one is pretty rad. It's a Who concert, which is interesting in and of itself. It's from 1980, which is also interesting, at least to me, because it's before Face Dances was released, which is one of my favorite Who albums, even though it's a latter-day post-moon Who. And it's after Who Are You? And if I recall correctly, I was very, very into the Who before Zeppelin. So... My memories are decades old, but uh, I used to be into them very deeply. If I recall correctly, Pete was super fucked up at this time. I don't know if he was quite as far out as he was in 81, but he was definitely uh, lots and lots of cocaine, lots and lots of alcohol, lots and lots of other things. Um, and could be a little unpredictable. But... That's all I pretty much know. Uh, Kenny Jones had replaced Keith Moon, who died in 78. And Kenny Jones was the drummer for The Faces, where Ronnie Lane, Rod Stewart, and Ronnie Wood came from as well. And Steve Marriott, I think, from the Small Faces days. And let's see. Oh, we've already featured Kenny Jones playing the Arms concert. Did he, though? Yeah, he did. And Ronnie Lane playing with Jimmy at the Arms concert. And Ronnie Wood playing with Zeppelin at the Zeppelin show on Valentine 75. So we got Kenny Jones. All right, good. We're rounding out the faces and their connections with Zeppelin. But this is a Who show, Mark. I know, but it's a Led Zeppelin podcast, so it counts. (sighs) All right. This is the story of a girl. Um, Jesus Christ. I think it's... I, I did. I thought I had my shit together. Uh, June twenty third, nineteen eighty. L.A. Sports Arena. I don't know how that's different from anywhere else, but it's a L.A. Sports Arena. Mike Millard, master tape, and uh, I'm gonna play. I'm not gonna play the super duper hits. Like I'm not going to play Pinball Wizard or See Me Feel Me or My Generation or Baba O'Reilly or Won't Get Fooled Again. I'm going to play um, maybe the second tier hits or the ones that I really like because it's my podcast and I'll play what I want to. Um, I'm going to open, I'm going to play the show openers, which are substitute and then I can't explain. I think I'll just play them back to back because there doesn't need to be much exposition on these. This is a Who show. They're not actively supporting an album. I mean, Who Are You, kind of. They do a lot of songs off of Who Are You, actually. They do Sister Disco. They do 
The Music Must Change, which is not a song that I would do live because it's not a song that I would do. Uh, Who Are You? Oh, and that's it, huh? Three songs off the album. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. And then they do a bunch of songs. It's, it's pretty much a greatest hits show. And, I mean, they wrap up the show with The Real Me off of Quadrophenia. And that's an odd one to wrap it up with. But then as they just they just peppered the show with hits anyways. Because, like, uh, Baba O'Reilly was the third song in the set. And Who Are You, track nine. Yeah. So they just pretty much spread it out. It's pretty much a greatest hits set list and not so much an album support set list. I guess. I'm, I can't remember. Um, I think that's how the Who rolled anyway, though. I am familiar with the Substitute Can't Explain um, opener. I think they did that in 82 as well on their last tour. But in any case, it's the Who. Kenny Jones is an excellent drummer. Nobody could replace Mooney, but he was very good. And in the earlier days, he was even a little more uh, frenetic. So I hope you enjoy this. Should sound excellent. From what I read in the notes, Mike Miller did not use the wheelchair trick this time. He just straight up paid off a security guy who uh, brought him up to the secure, that his particular zone and then just pretty much just protected Mike as he taped. So not the cool wheelchair story. But still the same cool equipment, the Nakamichi and the AKG mics and the excellent quality. All right. Well, you've heard me blather on. This is uh, something to, to ease your mind when you're sheltering at home or whatever they call it in quarantine. I am going back to work Monday. I took a week off because I got a little sick uh, last weekend. And... um wanted to play it safe. I do not want to die of coronavirus. So uh, I had a little video conference with my doctor, which is a cool thing that they're doing. I was just on your phone in a little picture. And um, basically it was what they tell everybody else. It could be allergies. It could be a cold. It could be the coronavirus. You may not die. You may die. It may be fine. You may be carrying it and not symptomatic. You may be symptomatic, but not carrying it. So basically, (laughs) basically, I was just like, so should I take the week off? And she's like, yeah, take a week off. See how it goes. And it went fine. And I am, uh, the rational part of me wants to just stay home until this is over. Like everybody in the government and in science is saying to do stay home. But, uh, my job is an analytical laboratory, um, that tests for asbestos. It's not even medical, but Uh, construction is still deemed essential. All the construction sites are still going because what's more essential than money, right? Lives? No, no, money. So since the construction sites are going, uh, they need to have their material tested for asbestos. We are deemed essential by the flimsiest of logic in that we sometimes test municipal water for asbestos a few times a year. Therefore, were essential. It has nothing to do with the fact that we just need to keep making money. <sighs> Whatever. It's fine. I'm going back to work Friday. I mean, next week. Jesus, I am all over the road. Uh, going back to work next week. Obviously, there's some ambivalence. I'm glad. First of all, I'm glad to have the job. And I like 
some of the people there. I used to like all the people there, but all of them are gone now except for two <laughs> that were there when I started. Um, so I'm glad to have the job. I'm glad to have the security. I would rather not die. And uh, staying home has its perks. I did not leave the house all week except to take the trash to the curb. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was weird for the first few days, and then I eased into it, and uh, I totally could get used to this. But I don't know. There's a job to do, and I can do it, so I'll do it. We're being safe. It should be fine, and I'll keep making money and not die, hopefully. In any case, <laughs> that has nothing to do with the Who. So let's play it, all right? Show opener, June 23rd, 1980. Mike Millard, master recording. It's going to open with Substitute and go straight into I Can't Explain. And then I'll be back. Heart of Markness, podcast.com, Honor on Hado, uh, with mayonnaise and a side of potato salad. Okay, see you in a few.
Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I know what I said. I was going to let it go right into I Can't Explain, but then I listened to it because I didn't really listen to this. I just grabbed it and then I played it uh, through my TV because I had my laptop hooked up to my TV and it sounded good. Um, but this is the first time with the headphones on the in-ear monitors playing at high fidelity. <coughs> and it's just, I love the song Substitute. I love it that it came out in the late, the mid-60s, I think 65 or 66, should be no later than that, right? And um, just the the acidic content and tone and, and the advanced songwriting of Pete Townsend back then when he was like 20 or 21. And the subversive nature of that song in a way. I mean, just the lyrics... Um, though I was born with a plastic spoon in my mouth. That's a good line. And uh, look all white, but my dad was black. And uh, substitute you for my mom, at least I'll get my washing done. I mean, those are those are pretty sophisticated, advanced lyrics, especially for a time when pop was still very pop. I mean, Rubber Soul and Revolver were contemporary with this. Pet Sounds, contemporary with this. All the breakthroughs of independent music and not just the cookie-cutter single, 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 which the Who were doing. This is a cookie-cutter single. Um, and Pete's just plowing through it with ridiculous talent and ridiculous lyricism and... Uh, sometimes I want to punch him in the face because he seems like he's a prick, but that's okay. Um, the music is fantastic, and there's still probably a dozen songs that I would label top tier from The Who, and that's not as a dedicated fan, but I, and I mean top tier. Um, and there's not many bands where I would say that. I know they've been around for 55 fucking years, but... Um, the Who at their best is amazing. Pete's songs are amazing, and then there's no better vehicle than The Who for them. Um, so, okay, that's Substitute. That's such a good song. Man, it's almost as subversive as um, The Velvet Underground at the same time. The same kind of lyrics. Lou Reed, oh, what an interesting parallel. Lou Reed and Pete Townsend as... super arrogant assholes of deep artistic temperament and spirit. Huh. Huh. Something to think about there. Um, yeah, I could probably come up with a dozen top-tier Lou Reed tunes. Counting the Velvets, of course. Huh. Something to think about. Alrighty. Um, sorry, I'm wool gathering. Um, this is going to just, obviously, this is just very casual. This is just a way for me to go, hey, you fuckers want to hear The Who? And you're like, yeah, of course, I like The Who. Uh, so here's The Who. But, oh, another thing I noticed with the quarantine going on is there's been a flip. Typically, a very small percentage of my audience are in their uh, 20s. Most of them are 40s to like 60s because we old, right? Since the whole Corona thing's going on, it's flipped. Most of my audience are in their 20s and far fewer are in the, the later middle age bracket. 
Um, I'm guessing it's because people are at home and the my typical audience maybe isn't listening as much because they listen at work or they listen in their car or something and they're just hoarding it because podcasting is not really something that you listen to when you're at home. Maybe, I'm guessing. But you... Uh, Generation Z, Millennials, whatever you want to call it, the younger folks, the Twitter crowd, um, seem to be just glomming onto the podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I really enjoy it. And hey, if you still like it, once uh, society gets back in order, keep listening. And if you don't, then don't. But thanks for checking me out. I think it's really neat. I hope you're entertained. And, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I copy Bill Burr a lot because we grew up in the same area and we're the same age. Um, <laughs> let's play the second song of this fucking a 17 minutes in. All right, we're going to do I Can't Explain, which was uh, on the official release, which was 1964. I think it's the Who's first single. Uh, there was a prior incarnation called The High Numbers. That put out I'm the Face, I think was the name of their song. that song. I'm the Face, baby, is that clear? Uh, which is a mod term. But, 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 I can't explain. It was the Who's first single, and Jimmy Page plays on it as a session guitarist, doubling up on Pete's guitar, just playing the same thing as him. But also, uh, when it's solo time, Pete can play the solo, and Jimmy can play the guitar, and they don't have to go back and overdub. Because back in the day, the whole thing with the session scene was that the Who were nobody at this time. It's like they go in and go, okay, you've got like an hour. We're giving you an hour of studio time to do an A side and a B side. Go. So stopping and doing overdubs eats up that time. So it's cheaper and faster to have a session player like Jimmy just sitting there going, okay, what's the song? Looking at the chords and playing it so it's one and done. Saving time which is what Jimmy did. So he, that's that's why he's on everybody's music. It's not because Pete couldn't play it. It's that, you know, first of all, they're green musicians. They don't want to spend a lot of time in the studio going over things and fixing, fixing fuck-ups. So let's play it. Jimmy's going to play it. When it comes time for the solo, you just solo, and we're done. Go for the B-side, <clears throat> which is a testament to the, to the talent of the band and the professionalism of these young musicians. All right. Jesus Christ, Mark. I'm sorry. I can't explain. Uh, The Who, June 23rd, 
That was a little different. One thing is, you could tell that the Who aren't <clears throat> a band anymore in hearing these. I mean, they're playing these songs like they're hired to play these songs. And I think Mooney's death just brought about the end of the Who as a real band, if if they were at that point anyway. I mean, Pete did all the heavy lifting. It's obvious that he both loved and hated everybody in the band. He both respects and resents everybody in the band. And, um... I mean, they weren't really friends. It was business, right? Even now, Roger and Pete, it's, it's business. And uh, I remember seeing... I think that might have been a Classic Albums. Remember that... I don't know if you've seen that show, Classic Albums, where they go into the studio and break down classic albums like there's a steely dan one and there's like the band and i think i saw one for who's next and they go in with the multi-tracks and they show how songs were constructed and um, i believe in that one and i may be conflating it with another pete interview where peter was talking about uh the band and how <clears throat> he's like i i can Absolutely, I can be referred to as a genius. John, genius. Mooney, genius. Roger, eh. You know, and I mean, because it's like he just sings. He doesn't write his own songs. He just sings Pete's words. Um, But that's that's not nice. That's not healthy. And um, I don't know. I just, when I hear this, I hear a band playing. I mean, it could be on a cruise ship. It's good. It's good, but it's it's a 60s nostalgia song. And I don't know, it doesn't sound... It sounds good. I mean, and, and I love John Atwistle's alembic bass sound. I mean, John Atwistle's bass sound is amazing anyway. But it just doesn't... Uh, I don't hear joy in this. And it's interesting in that um, it was a different arrangement. It wasn't as fast... Uh, with the with the can't with the chorus can't it used to be can't explain think it's love try to say to you when I feel blue, and this time they they break it up with can't explain one two three four think it's love one two three try to say to you stretching it out because there's there's a keyboard player in the band now when they brought Kenny Jones on they brought on um, a gentleman whose name was John Rabbit. Bundrick, Budrick, Baldrick, shoot, I'm going by memory, forgive me, and uh, he is now part of the band, and that's why, maybe that's why they're featuring that a little bit, I don't know, or it's just mixing it up a little, whatever, overthinking, <clears throat> but let's move along, I want you to hear John Entwistle sing My Wife, off of Who's Next, great song, very, very funny, and, uh, you know, my life's in jeopardy murdered in cold blood is what i'm gonna be i ain't been home since friday night and my my wife is coming after me funny song all right now let's hear it done by the band better than that here we go heart of markness the who june 23rd 1980 okay so who's next for my wife
pretty, pretty, pretty good, right? <clears throat> Stop. All right. That's, um, that sounds more like it. Now that's the who. Maybe my criticisms weren't that they weren't so much a band anymore as that they were doing stuff from 20 years earlier or 15 years earlier at that point. Wow, that's crazy. 1980? Yeah, 15 years for Substitute. 40, 55 years now. Wow, that's crazy. Um, anyway, my wife, very, very good. And you can... Um, you could tell the keyboard player is featured. He gets solos. He's in the mix. It's not just keyboards for flavor like most bands have. Um, Rabbit was a full-fledged member of the band, if I recall correctly. Um, if he wasn't a full-fledged member of the band, like part of the Who Corporation, he was at least uh, considered part of the, the touring band as far as, you know, listed and featured. And shit, they give him breaks in the songs now. Um, for I Can't Explain, they had him in there. For my wife, you know, there doesn't need to be a Hammond, uh, an organ solo or a keyboard solo in the song, and yet there there is. Um, so it's interesting. This is, uh, this is the new Who. This is the, the Telecaster Who. After the Les Paul, after Keith Moon. The drugs are still there. Um, Pete's all fucked up. And... He doesn't get sober until, I believe it's 82. The the final Who tour and the final Who album, it's hard. Um, Pete is sober. And it's a whole new Pete. This is not sober Pete. This is unsober Pete. Um, still playing fine and doing fine. It's not like he, this is him off the rails. Uh, professionally, I don't think. But um, it's an interesting little era. Check the website, heartofmarkness.com, because uh, I'll have photos from this show. And it's interesting to see, because uh, John Entwistle was in a white suit, almost like a leisure suit, because it was 1980. Um, Roger is in a sleeveless white tee, and he's tan and tone and fit and healthy. And Pete... <laughs> Pete's in a very, very loose-fitting, very, very sweaty shirt, and he looks like he is having some problems. Um, whatever. It's a good show. It's The Who, for Christ's sakes. I don't know why I'm waxing ripsodic on all this when I, I was just expecting to go, here's the song, boom, here's the song, boom, and now I'm just philosophizing and pontificating on a narrow era of a band that I was into 35, 40 years ago. Ugh, I'm old. All right. Even though I'm old, I'm still cool. Okay, speaking of cool, let's play Who Are You? Now, that's just a great song. And it's a great band, and it's a Latter-day song, and actually this would be a contemporary song for this tour. Since Who Are You came out in 78... They didn't tour. I think, well, they did tour in 79, didn't they? They did tour in 79. I don't know. Here's the song, Who Are You? It's excellent, it's badass, and it's cool, and I'll see you in a few.
As you can probably see, Pete's got his hand in a, a bandage. And it isn't a cut hand, it's a broken hand. And uh, it's feeling a bit weird. He'll be back in a minute. He's taken a lot of painkillers and his, his brain's starting to feel a bit strange. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Sing along with you time. <laughs> you make the most of this, you know. It's uh, we save it for later. That's very telling, isn't it? I punched a wall. It's not like I fell down roller skating. Stop. Okay. <laughs> so, did you catch that? I mean, I kept that big long break in after Who Are You because <clears throat> it's an interesting little exposition, first of all. Shows maybe why Pete wasn't soloing as quite as much as usual. Because his hand's broken and in a cast. Um, because, as he said, he punched a wall. I like it that he's ashamed of it and that he's like, when they're applauding him, he's like, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I punched a wall. It's not like I fell down roller skating. Oy. And uh, he had to go off stage. Uh, probably, from what I, if I recall correctly, uh, lots and lots and lots of cocaine was uh, his primary thing. I think he called it Eau de Cologne. Um and he probably had to go back and just take uh, do a few lines because, uh, as Roger said, the pain pillar painkillers he's on. So imagine you're a rock star, and then on top of that, you're taking painkillers for a broken hand, in addition to everything else you're doing. He's probably fucked up and loopy. Had to go backstage, get a little blow in him, elevate back up, and come out and play five fifteen. It's interesting. I kept that in, even though it's like five minutes more of, or, or, or a few minutes more of just musicless content, because it is a very rock and roll moment. And it shows how um, dysfunctional these guys were universally. Zeppelin in 1980. I mean, this is June 23rd, the very next night. I think Zeppelin was playing in... Uh, they're playing their European tour at this time. They may not have been playing on the 23rd. I don't recall offhand. Um, but 
1980 tour for Zeppelin was happening at the same time. The Stones were not touring, but they put out Emotional Rescue. They were not doing too great. Um, the dysfunction of the music industry at this time. Cocaine was everywhere. Heroin was still everywhere. Alcohol was still everywhere. There wasn't, um, there wasn't the rehab system that there is now. It was just starting with Betty Ford and all that. But it was essentially like just happening, and it was people like Betty Ford and uh, Liz Taylor going for those retreats, not rock stars necessarily. That would happen in the next few years. And unfortunately, people like uh, Keith Moon and John Bonham and myriad others, had they been able to hold on for a few more years, probably would have been able to um, rehabilitate and make it and get on with their lives sober. But um, unfortunately, they didn't make it to that point. But Pete did, and uh, Jimmy did, and all those other folks clapped in. David Crosby is kind of the poster child for it. Uh, He went to jail (laughs) for lots and lots of drugs and guns. But uh, I digress still. All right, I've got three more songs to play, and we're 45 minutes in. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up and play 515, which is one of my favorite songs off of Quadrophenia. Again, the lyrics. Girls are 15, sexually knowing, the ushers are sniffing, odicolonin. Oh, odicolonin, get it? Sniffing. Girls of, is it girls of 15 or girls of 16? I can't remember. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's the 70s is what that was. All right, here we go. 515. Enjoy.
Cousin Oliver. That's who the keyboard player for The Who reminds me of. Cousin Oliver in The Brady Bunch. Because he's there, and they make room for him in the mix. And he's playing along with the song, and he's doing piano sweeps, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not necessary. There can be anybody playing keyboards the way they're supposed to be. Don't show off. He's Cousin Oliver on The Brady Bunch. Unnecessary. Shark jumping. Ugh. It's okay. It's okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's actually an enjoyable show. It's just, uh, it's interesting to hear this. I've never heard them sound like this. Uh, combined with Pete's broken hand. So there's just, I mean, there's not going to be as much soloing and fucking around because Jesus Christ. Um, and Kenny Jones not being Keith Moon. And John Rabbit. Bundrick, Budrick, Budrick, Bundrick, I think it is, um, getting his, his, you know, eight, 16 bar solos in. It's weird. It's, it's just, uh, it just sounds odd to me. I like it. I like it fine, but, um, this is just an odd sounding show performance wise. All right. Home stretch time. We're going to finish up here with two songs. This is going to be back to back. Um, It's a short little song called You Belong to Us, which is just basically the band fucking around a little bit. And it goes right into The Real Me, which is the last song on the tape. And I think it's the opening track to... No. Almost one one of the early opening tracks on Quadrophenia. I think it might start with a... Womp, 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 womp kind of thing. I am the sea, I think it opens with. Um, But anyways, the real me, kick-ass song, ends up the show, ends up the podcast. I'll see you on the tail end. Bye-bye.
Well, shit, that was pretty cool. I like that a lot. All right. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's very interesting sounding because, you know, Pete's not really playing the solos as much. I mean, he was never really a big solo player, but what's interesting is that he wasn't mixed very high. I mean, The Who, legendarily the loudest band, and legendarily loud, and Pete's guitar, legendarily loud, and yet he was mixed um, at the same level or lower than the keyboard player. Very, very interesting. But um, I really enjoyed the latter part of The Real Me when they just went off into that kind of loose boogie. That sounded like it was fun. And I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Over an hour. I hope you were entertained. Are you not entertained? Um, Hope I brought you a little bit of happiness or a little bit of novelty to what could be a scary time or a boring time. But um, thank you for spending time with me. Won't you be my neighbor? Um, I'll see you maybe before Thursday, before the regular Led Zeppelin podcast. I may do another one of these if I find a show I want to do. I have to do the super secret patron-only podcast as well. It's going to be a good one. And uh, speaking of, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash heartofmarkness and uh, help keep the lights on here. It really helps. And if you don't, that's fine too. But, oh, per my compact with my patrons, whom I love, I will read their names so that they will live forever in the hearts of men and women and those who identify as any and nouns. If you're a noun, I don't really comfortable being called a noun. All right, shut the fuck up. All right. Avi, Bill, David, other David, Jeremy, Mark, Mimo, and Peter. They, they are the Titans upon whose shoulders rests this podcast. Ooh, nicely done, Mark. Thank you. And if you want to be among that name of the landed elite, then become a patron. Help support the podcast. Pays for uh, the web hosting, the the website, heartofmarkness.com, where I post these shows. And also where you'll be able to go and get this show, um, if not today, then tomorrow. So heartofmarkness.com, and you can have this whole goddamn Who show and all the songs I didn't play for yourself because I'm good like that. Twitter, since you're in your 20s, apparently now, follow me on Twitter, Heart of Markness. There's good stuff. We can tweet. Yo, yo, yo. See, I'm young. Stan. If you stan Led Zeppelin. Ugh, I feel dirty for saying that. Um, Or Facebook, Heart of Markness. There's a nice Facebook group with more than 50, fewer than 100 folks. They're all nice. They all love Led Zeppelin. And uh, we want you to be part of it. Join us. And what else? Yeah, that's it. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care of each other. Wash your hands and all that crazy shit. This will be over. This will be over. And we'll all be fine. Bye-bye.